Keys hackers. I'm a sausage guy. Yeah, that butcher shop with the juicy breasts. I like that. And he doesn't shy away from opinion. I have always liked Florida State. And now I do realize why people don't like Florida Gator fans. So if you're going to blow it out, just blow it out. But Shad Khan, the owner, didn't see it that way. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Wednesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us on what was a very interesting day in the world of college football. National Signing Day. Congratulations to all the student-athletes here in Northeast Florida that signed letters of intent to go play uh, college football or, I guess, various other sports as well. Uh, But certainly a lot of kids from our area, their dreams come true today as they sign on the dotted line and are now college football players. Another uh, guy that signed on the dotted line that happened out in Willis, Texas. And that's where we're going to begin here in just a moment. DJ Lagway. The five-star quarterback from the state of Texas, the MaxPreps.com Player of the Year, is going to come on with us in less than five minutes. And uh, DJ Lagway, I also want to say uh, a very big thank you to the coaching staff out there at Willis High School for getting us DJ this evening because he was in demand. It was interesting. I talked with DJ earlier this afternoon, literally about two minutes after he was on ESPN2. So uh, he was had him lined up, and luckily we were uh, fortunate enough to be in the line. Trent Miller, the head coach out there, I got a nice relationship with him. We're actually going to have Trent on as well. You're going to hear from DJ, and then you're going to hear from Trent Miller, who is his head football coach out at Willis High School. So Gator fans, I think you're going to enjoy the opening segment tonight of Hacker After Dark, and that's where we're going to begin. Because every night on Hacker After Dark, we do give you a big deal of the night. And Dylan, Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. So the main thing today for the University of Florida, look, it was not a great day optically for the Gators. They did lose some guys. They had some guys flip on them. Amarius Williams to Auburn, Adarius Hayes to Miami. They had some attrition. I think those two in particular were expected to happen. Um, I think the teams that got them, in my opinion, told them to wait to do it until signing day for that PR, right? If if you know you're going to flip a kid, well, do it when you can make the biggest impact, and that's on signing day, but... Along those lines, I think Florida expected those to happen, so I'm not sure if it came as a total shock when it did. Schools like Auburn, the flip at uh, Amarius Williams, want it to seem like it was a shock. I don't think it was. It would have been a shock had DJ Lagway not signed with Florida. And there was a lot of conversation uh, yesterday and early this morning about Southern Cal uh, trying to get in there at the final moments. We know Texas A&M had visited D.J. Lagway with new head coach Mike Elko. But at the end of the day, Lagway stood by his word. He had been committed to Florida for over a year now, and he stuck by his word, and he signed with the Florida Gators. 
So we're going to talk with DJ Lagway in less than two minutes. Other guest lineup tonight, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts will stop by in the 8 o'clock hour as we preview the Jaguars and the Buccaneers. We will also have Fletcher Westfall, a four-star offensive tackle that is also part of the Florida Gator signing class of 2024. He will join us towards the bottom, I guess towards the top of the 9 o'clock hour this evening. We are with you until 10 o'clock tonight, and we are glad you are with us. But without further ado, the Florida Gators signing class today was headlined by five-star quarterback from Willis, Texas, DJ Lagway, the MaxPreps.com High School Football Player of the Year. And I had the opportunity to speak with DJ Lagway earlier today. And here is that conversation right now on Hacker After Dark. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. National Signing Day 2023, December early signing period in the rearview mirror. A lot transpired all over the country and right here for the Florida Gators. The big one was quarterback DJ Lagway. You've heard about him for a long time. He made it official. He is a Florida Gator and DJ joins us tonight here on 1010XL. DJ, congratulations. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Hey, DJ, I know you're very busy today, man. Thank you for taking time out for us here in Jacksonville. All right, what was it about the University of Florida, about Billy Napier? What led you to make this decision? Uh, I was just saying uh, Coach Napier hasn't planned with me on the field. You know, just what he's trying to build at the University of uh, Florida, you know, I feel like it's very special, and I just can't wait to be a part of it. You know, you have been committed to Florida for so long. I mean, did you – you knew right away, it seems like. I mean, you've been a Gator now for going on about a year, year plus. Why did you know so early, DJ? Uh, like I said, you know, I just believe in what Coach Napier is uh, trying to build, and I just, you know, I want to help him, you know. And I just like I just like everything about the University of Florida. You know, the fan base is amazing, you know, and, and all the other coaches, you know, coaches and staff like Coach O'Hare, you know, I feel like he's, he's going to help develop me a lot, and I just can't wait to learn from him as well. DJ Lagway here with us. You'll be in Gainesville soon enough, but you have to know, right, social media. I mean, you have to know how excited Gator Nation is to have you. I mean, what does that feel like to know the level of excitement that you're bringing to this uh, recruiting class? You know, it's a blessing, you know, to be wanted by the fan base. You know, that's huge. So it's truly a blessing, and it's an honor. DJ Lagway here with us. DJ, I know a lot of Gator fans have watched some videos of you, but for those that haven't seen you play live yet, of course, I mean, describe your game. What is the Gator, what is the University of Florida getting with quarterback DJ Lagway? Uh, I say they're getting a leader. You know, they're getting somebody that can get the best out of their teammates day in and day out. And, you know, expect him to be great, you know, just try, you know, I, I expect myself to uh, go in there and, and be a leader right away, you know, and just, you know, lead by example and working hard, you know, and just, like I said, you know, get on, uh, get on the field and work. That's my biggest thing. Maxpreps.com, player of the year nationally. You got that award earlier this week. DJ, what yes, did sir. that mean to you? It's, it's truly a blessing, you know, without uh, – my coaches, you know, my high school coaches and my teammates, it wouldn't be possible. So, like, like what I said on Twitter, you know, it's a team award. So, I'm just I'm just genuinely blessed and honored to be awarded with that. A couple of more for DJ Lagway. DJ, you get the personal interaction with Billy Napier. Gator fans in Jacksonville listening to this tonight, 
they see him at press conferences. They hear him talk to the media, but they don't get that personal one-on-one that you have gotten. Talk about Billy Napier. What kind of guy is he? What do you like about Coach Napier? And Coach Napier is a real good guy. I, mean, I just can't wait to just learn everything on and off the field about from him, you know. So I'm just excited. Like he's just a really good dude, and I, he's gonna get on. He's gonna get after you, you know. If you're messing up, you know, he's gonna congratulations when you're doing good. So I feel like that's something I need, and you know, it's something that I can learn and get better from every, each and every day. You know, the thought around here, DJ, and I'm sure you've had conversations with Graham Mertz, a guy that's played a ton of college football. Is he's kind of gonna be a coach on the field as well? for you uh, your freshman year. What is your relationship like with Graham, and how excited are you to get over here and start working with him? I have a really great relationship with Graham. You know, I just can't wait to learn a lot of stuff from him. You know, he's been in the game for for six years now. You know, I just can't wait to just learn how to be a college quarterback from him and just take the do's and don'ts from him, you know, and it's going to be exciting. So, yeah. DJ, the next time you put on a helmet and a pair of shoulder pads, it'll be in Gainesville, Florida, and you'll be a Florida Gator. I mean, what does that mean to you? It's truly a blessing, you know. As a kid, you know, I've always wanted to play at the Division One level, and it's, now it's here. It, it feels surreal, and I just, I'm just i excited to get down there and, and get right back to work. What's the plan for you? Obviously, an early enrollee. When are you making the uh, travel arrangements to get over to the University of Florida? Uh, So I'll, I'll be getting down there. Uh, I'll be in that area December 28th uh, in Orlando for the All-Star game, the Under Armour All-Star game, and then right after that I'm driving up uh, to Gainesville and start moving in. So, yeah. Spring ball, obviously, you'll be participating there. You got to be yes, at the sir. level of excitement. I mean, for your friends and your family today, DJ, it's not just you, it's everybody that's been on this journey with you. What does it mean to them to see you sign that letter of intent to come play the fourth of Florida Gators? You know, I feel like it means a lot to them because, you know, they've seen the, up, the ups and the downs, you know, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. So, yeah, it's a blessing for all of us to, you know, to come together and celebrate this amazing moment. DJ, as we begin to wrap up, we're going to talk to your head coach here in a moment out there at Willis High School. Uh, the overall recruiting class, obviously there was some attrition, but there's also some really good players in this class that you're a part of. In fact, we had Fletcher Westfall on earlier as well talking about okay. this recruiting class. What do you think about the class that you're going to be a part of here in 2024? Man, I'm excited to go out there and play with those dudes, man. You know, we have a great relationship, uh, great camaraderie. You know, I just can't wait to, you know, move in, get on campus with those guys and just, you know, get to work with them. You know, we always be remembered as the, the class of 2024, you know. So we always got to go in there and have a chip on our shoulders and get to work. You're the quarterback, right? You're the main guy of this class. People think about this class. They think of DJ Lagway. You welcome those expectations? Oh, yes, sir. Most definitely, you know. I just I take it I take it as a blessing, you know. It's all a blessing at the end of the day, you know. And that's, you know. So yeah. All right, DJ. Final question. You have a message. A lot of Gator fans listening to you tonight here in Jacksonville. What do you want to say to them? You know, I just want to say that you're gonna get a hard worker. You know, I'm gonna come in day in and day out and work. You know, I'm not gonna try to do. I'm just gonna work and just control what I can control. And so yeah, that's what you're gonna get out of me. DJ, I know you're doing a million interviews today. I cannot possibly thank you enough for joining us tonight here in Jacksonville. Best of luck, and we'll be watching you when you get to Gainesville. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is quarterback DJ Lagway as we welcome in his head high school football coach now, Trent Miller. Coach, congratulations on a great day for your program. What kind of guy is DJ Lagway? What are the Gators getting with that young man? 
you know, first of all, you know, I appreciate us, you know, you having us on the show and, you know, all glory to God. And, you know, we wouldn't be here sitting here today if it, if it wasn't for, you know, his love, grace and mercy that he has, you know, on all of us. Um, <clears throat> Florida Gator fan base, Gator Nation, man, you know, they, they, they got a stud coming. Um, undoubtedly the number one quarterback in the 2024 class, regardless of what polls say one way or another. Um, he's a special young man, special talent, um, unbelievable person that, uh, you know, puts his, puts his hard hat on, his work boots on every single day, and, you know, is ready for work and ready for the challenge. And um, not a better man in this country to be leading the program in that 24 class, in my opinion. I told you this the last time I had DJ on, uh, what, about six, seven months ago before the season started. Every time I talk to DJ Lagway, I get more and more impressed. I mean, that is – you want to talk about high character, a yes sir, no sir kind of guy, <laughs> he, just an impressive young man to talk to, Coach. Absolutely. You know, that's a testament to both his mom and his dad, you know, and his entire family. Um, he's been raised right. Um, got an entire community around him that supports him. And um, he's got a solid level head on his shoulder, man. You know, and I, I don't think there's anything that's ever too big or too small for him. He's not above anything or anybody. And I think that's the that's the kind of, of young man that, you, you know, you guys will get to witness firsthand, you know, in Florida. Just, you know, the person he is in person, not, you know, not behind a computer screen or, not behind it, you know, a cell phone. I mean, face to face is more of a, more of a joy and a pleasure to be around than he is, you know, online. So, um, couldn't be more excited for him or or for Gator Nation. What is DJ Lagway, coach again? Trent Miller, the head coach of Willis High School here. What is DJ Lagway meant to your program? Hey, everything, man. You know, he's a you know, a true definition of a selfless and a, and a servant leader. Um, you know, he's always you know. The first guy to walk in the door and one of the last men to leave. He's always the first one to give his teammates and his community the credit before he takes any credit, you know, or, or receives any credit for himself. Um, ultimate teammate, ultimate uh, game manager. Um, we were blessed and fortunate to have him here at Willis High School for, you know, for the short time that we had him. Um, four years goes by fast, and I was only able to be a part of that for two years of his high school career. But um, definitely made me a better person, a better, a, a better version of myself. And, um you know, definitely a young man that, you know, I, I am fortunate and blessed for my two younger boys to, to grow up and be around in the locker room, on the field, and, and outside of the community, just a person that models um, what it means to be a genuinely good person. Coach, as we begin to wrap up, look, decommitments happen in the world of recruiting, and I'm never going to fault any young man for doing that, but there is something to be said for sticking to your word, for shaking somebody's hand and say, I'm coming and then to stick that out for a year plus when everybody's pulling you in different directions. And we know people were pulling DJ in different directions. I think that goes back again to the type of man that he is. 100%, man. You know, after his junior season, my phone started blowing up, you know, about, you know, DJ, you know, and opting out to not play, you know, for Willis High School his senior year. And people that don't know him or and that don't know his character – have no idea truly, you know, who he is, you know, and, and what he's all about. When he made that commitment to Florida, I, you know, I don't think there was a doubt in anyone's mind. He truly knew who he was as a human being that he was going to, you know, waver from that decision. When he says he's going to do something, he does. When he gives you his word, his word means everything. And so for um, people to have a different opinion of him is just, um, it, it's, it, it's just, it baffles me. Um, but again, that's the, that's the, the job you know, of the social media platforms to spark controversy and to, you know, get clicks on social media, you know, and, and all that good stuff. But um, 
DJ's not that he, he's not that person. He's a, he's a true, genuine, um, you know, gift from God and um, models himself and, you know, and walks that path, you know, every single day. And so um, today we can put all the rumors, you know, and all the all the negativity to rest. He's going to sign his letter of intent with the University of Florida. And he's going to be a Gator. Trent Miller, the head coach of Willis High School. Coach, there are not words to describe how thankful I am um, that you were able to get us uh, DJ tonight and you were able to come on yourself. I know that you have been on every national TV and radio interview known to man, and for you to take time out for us here in Jacksonville, we cannot thank you guys enough. Best of luck moving forward, Coach, and we'll certainly be watching DJ and what he does down in Gainesville. Yes, sir. We truly appreciate you, brother. Thank you. There you go. Trent Miller, the head coach of Willis High School, and DJ Lagway, now formally of Willis High School, as he will be enrolling at the University of Florida in the first week in January. Like you said, he's actually going down to Orlando next week for the Under Armour All-American Game festivities. After he's done there, he will be uh, moving in to the University of Florida and will be participating in spring drills. And it'll be an interesting dynamic, right? That's why I asked him about Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz likely to be the guy, but Graham Mertz has got a lot of playing experience, a lot of knowledge that I'm sure DJ Lagway can use as he develops down there at the University of Florida. The highest rated Gator commitment at quarterback or Gator signee at quarterback in over a decade. So not a great day with some flips, certainly for Florida. Could have been better but it would have been an absolute disaster had DJ Lagway not signed, but he stuck to his word despite all the rumors of the 11th hour, and he is in at the University of Florida. More on signing day coming up later on on Hacker After Dark, and thank you to DJ Lagway and his head football coach there at Willis High School, Trent Miller. Coming up next, into the Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an absolutely enormous game. On Sunday down in Tampa, Florida, both teams leading their division, but by a very thin thread. A guy that played for both organizations is my buddy Cecil Shorts, former wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You get him every week here on Hacker After Dark. We'll look back to Baltimore, but certainly take more of a look ahead to Tampa. And Cecil has had concussions when he played. I'm going to ask him about that. What is Trevor going through? Cecil's got a unique perspective about that and a lot more. We'll get into it next. Wednesday night edition, Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. And as always, Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. It is a Wednesday evening, and we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Buccaneers on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL, a game that is very big for both teams. Both teams leading their division by a thread. Jacksonville at 8-6, and six, Tampa Bay at 7-7. Seven and seven. Let's talk to a man that played for both organizations, although we always refer to him as a former Jaguar. You get him every week here on Hacker After Dark. That's my buddy Cecil Short. Cecil, how you doing? I'm decent, man. How about yourself? Cecil, I'm good. I think both of us would be a lot better if this three-game losing streak ends on Sunday. Uh, good gracious, man. Sunday night against Baltimore, that left a lot to be desired offensively. 
it was it was frustrating to see. Um, when you're in the first half alone, you're in Baltimore's territory, I believe, four times. Two of them, you missed field goals. Um, one was a fumble, and then one was just a blunder of a – I don't know if it was a uh, Trevor Lawrence could check to a pass at the end of the first half or if it was a play call from the sideline. I don't know what happened, but it, it didn't work and it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> in those situations at the end of half, you want to always get points. Like you never want to be able to drive down the field, get down there and not get points. If it worked great, it's a great play call. It's a great check, whatever it is. If it doesn't work, it's terrible. So it didn't work. So guess what? It's terrible. Um, and then you're down 10 at half, like to, to put up 181 yards in one half to move the ball like you did. Um, to have opportunities to come away with points um, is just frustrating to see. And it's, 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 you cannot be a, I think, honestly, I think, honestly, you saw uh, inconsistencies on offense, which you've seen kind of all year from the offense. It's just inconsistent ball. Um, two fumbles by your starting quarterback. You can't have that. Um, you just can't, you just can't have that. You can't have two missed field goals. Um, in the first half, where so you at the very minimum, at the least, it should be 10 6, 10 9. If not, if not, you're winning going into half. Like it's just, it's just frustrating to see. Um, you can't run the football. Like, oh my gosh, the run game is abysmal. Like, with, if Trevor Lawrence is your leading rusher, when you have NCN back there, that's, that's the issue. So, it's just a lot that is, like you said, left to left to be desired. Um, it's interesting. The last three games have been uh, tough losses, but all three from one division, which is very interesting to me. Um, but to me, it says a lot about okay, where you are as a uh, as a team. And it seems like you're in your own way. It seems like the offense is in its own way. And how you get out of that, I'm not sure. But they got to figure it out soon. See, so I don't even know where to begin. Let's quickly go to the play at the end of the first half. You played seven years in the National Football League. I mean, how is that supposed to work? No timeouts. You're running up to the line of scrimmage. You know the clock is running. Is the coaches in Trevor's ear? I mean, was that Trevor that did that to Parker Washington? I mean, putting a sixth-round rookie in that situation probably doesn't seem like a good idea in hindsight. I mean, how does something like that happen in the National Football League? I think it's situational. I think you practice that, right? So when you come up to the line of scrimmage, you're thinking, okay, they're thinking we're going to spike the ball, right? I'll never forget, actually, we actually did a fake spike in Jacksonville when I played there against the Colts back in 2014, maybe, or 2013, where everybody's thinking you're spiking the ball, you're spiking the ball, and then usually you take a shot at the end zone, right? So if you don't get it, it's incomplete, no time runs off, you can kick a field goal, right? No time could run something. Uh, you still got time of play to get your field goal team out there and make a play. But in this situation, um, I'm not sure if the route was short. I'm not sure if uh, Caldwell, oh, that's not, not Caldwell, if uh, it was called from the sideline or not. But I do believe it was a terrible call. Um, in that situation, I can only think it was probably in his ear, his, him being told to, hey, run this play, run this play, run this play, run this play. He's pushing it. He's through it. it. It just didn't work out. And it's frustrating because you could have left with points. At the very least, you could have left with three. But now he catches the ball. He doesn't get out of bounds. Now he's stuck in bounds. All you can do is just watch the time run off the clock. Um, 
usually in that moment, I, I just don't understand. Just, if you're going to do that, take a shot to the end zone. Throw a fade ball. Throw a pop pass. So that way you still got some time left, possibly. Um, but it just wasn't a, a well-organized play. Um, it probably just wasn't good in that situation. Yeah, honestly, it was embarrassing. It happened on a national TV stage, which made it even worse. Former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts here with us. Cecil, you mentioned the running game. I agree with you. The problem is they can't run, and they're not even trying to run. They ran 60 offensive snaps on Sunday night. They called 47 pass plays. They ran the ball 17 times because Trevor had to scramble out of the pocket on four of those. But, I mean, look, as a wide receiver like yourself, I'm sure you're kind of loving that. But from a reality point of view, when you have 60 offensive snaps and you call 47 pass plays, Cecil, to me, that's ridiculous. I I couldn't agree more. And it was the same thing last week. I believe he threw a bunch of passes last – I think almost 50 passes last week and then – and then you only rushed the ball 14 times or 20 times less. It, it was, it's just, it's something that I'm not understanding. Um, is even if you're not running the ball well, you still want to, uh, I wouldn't say trick the defense, but make them have to stop the run. When you have a special guy like Travis back there, I'm not sure why you're not giving him the ball every other play, anyways, finding ways to get him the ball. Um, it, it's just it's just interesting. I think he had ten rushes, maybe under thirty yards, or just at thirty yards. Um, but that's that's not enough. That's that's not enough. And when you're playing uh, December football, January football, you need to be able to run the ball. And I know that they had a good defense, being the Ravens. I know they're one of the top defensive teams in the league. Um, but that that's just not cutting it, man. That's just not cutting. It. And, I, and I still don't understand why. And I guess if you're not that. Uh, comfortable with Dearness or Tank, then, then why even bring him in? Like it's, it's literally, it's literally like if you're not giving Travis the ball, and then Trevor's, then Trevor's gonna run him. If it's not Trevor's gonna be like it's like you don't. I'm looking at the Lions and how they run the football. I'm looking at the Ravens and how they run the football. It just you have backs and you use the backs to get you yards, to get you touchdowns, to be able to. For, to, to get you a solid running game going and they can feed off each other. Then you can play action. Then you can, then you can boot out. Then you can roll out and do different things with that, especially with a mobile quarterback, but it doesn't seem to be the case here the last few weeks. It's, it's just frustrating to watch. And they got to figure that out if they're going to make the playoffs. Cause now they're in the eight and six tie with, and I don't know, maybe they're still leading in the, in the playoff hunt, but man, you got eight and six, uh, Texans, you got eight to six Colts, and the Colts to me are the scariest team <laughs> moving forward down the stretch. No, I agree. They're playing great. I, re- I refer to them. They're just a pain in the butt, man. I don't know how ultra talented they are or how great they are. They have injury problems too. They're just a pain. They don't go away, and they find a way to win games, and it's very impressive what Shane Steichen is doing up there. Former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts here with us. Um, you playing seven years in the league – you suffered some concussions during your time. Obviously, the big story here, Trevor Lawrence, and for that matter, you're out in Houston, a former Texan as well, C.J. Stroud, both quarterbacks in concussion protocol. Right now, they're saying Stroud may miss his second game. Uh, He did not play last week against Tennessee. He might not play this week against Cleveland. We haven't gotten to that point yet with Trevor. Understanding Cecil, the protocol was not in place when you were in the league, it's a different format now. 
But just kind of take us through it. The week after a concussion, you had him. I mean, what's Trevor Lawrence going through right now? You know what? You're right. When I played, there was not a particular protocol. Um, the protocol might have been different, but I can assume it's it's very similar. They're, they're just going about it in a professional manner. You're dealing with symptoms, and I believe you have to be symptom-free until you're allowed to be back on the field, to be act, back on uh, football, to be able to practice and go from there. Um, but the symptoms that you have are, are just really consistent uh, migraines, consistent headaches, sensitivity to light, um, and it's just hard to uh, focus or, or maintain thought or anything. Just kind of just lay down and want to just rest a lot. Um, and so it's, it's a difficult place to be in. Um, I, be- I do believe that they still take a, con- a, con- a concussion test before the beginning of the season. And part of that protocol is you have to pass that concussion test, meaning whatever your baseline score was when you took that concussion test. And it's not a pass or fail, but what that baseline score is, you have to at least meet that score to be able to return to play. Um, so if you scored a, say, a 77, you got to at least get a 77 to return to play. That's how they kind of base you, okay, are you okay or not? Can you pass this uh, or get equivalent to what you got in the test beforehand? Uh, but it's a frustrating place to be because it's your brain. And it's a sensitive place to be because it's something you can't see and nobody can really feel it or or, or judge it but that particular person, right? Now, if you're on the outside, if you're a doctor looking in, you can obviously see, you know, glassy eyes and he's not himself. But as the protocol goes on, you kind of got to trust the player like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I feel. Um, and most guys are trying to push through to get ready to go. But when you realize that, hey, this is your brain you're playing with, it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to be as a player. Like, do you take that risk and go out there uh, and get another concussion? Because once you have one, it's easier for you to get another one and another one and another one. Um, I remember in 2012, I got my first concussion against Buffalo, like week, I don't know, 12. And then uh, I played the next week. No, like week 14. I played the next week. No, I missed missed week 15. I played week 16 and I missed week 17 because in week 16, I got another concussion. Mm. Um, I probably had two in that game versus New England. Um, I got hit really hard on, I caught a, like a 10-yard route on the sideline. I caught it. Ran up the sideline, and I saw a safety come. I tried to, like – I was fired up, so I tried to, like, run into him, and he got the best of me, and I was kind of out of it then. But I kept playing, and then later in the game, towards the end of the game, because I didn't tell nobody, I got hit uh, really hard, and I probably got concussed twice or just made it worse. So as a player, you really have to dial in, okay, is it something um, that I need to risk right now? Is it something, you know, am I truly getting better? And it's tough because you got you're in the playoff hunt and you're the best quarterback you have on the team. You're the franchise guy. So I can't imagine everything that is going through his mind right now. On top of that, uh, his mind is hurting. <laughs> his brain is hurting right now. So uh, it's definitely a serious thing that the players really have to do a good job of judging themselves and the doctors uh, have to do a good job of making sure they're okay. Love that perspective, C. So that's great information. I hadn't thought about a lot of that. You got to kind of protect the player from themselves and you got to hope that they're honest with you and giving you the the honest question. I mean, or does your head hurt? Well, you hope they say yes if it does and not just want to get back out there. You got to think about long term, you know, your health, mm-hmm. your family, et cetera, more so than football. Uh, Cecil, uh, CJ Beathard may get the start and we've had this conversation 
many times, although this week is not a toughness issue for Trevor with the knee or the ankle. This is the NFL-sanctioned protocol. He's not going to have a say whether he goes or not until he passed that baseline test, as you mentioned. But you look at the success of backup quarterbacks this year, from Jake Browning to Joe Flacco. Uh, you know, you go on down the line, back a uh, Drew Locke on Monday night, right? I mean, backup quarterbacks have been good this year. Tommy DeVito in New York has had some moments. Why do you think the backups have been flourishing this year? Well, I think I think a few things. I think, one, a team is never scheming for the backup. As a defense, you're never preparing for the backup. Um, it's hard to prepare because most likely the backup doesn't have that much film in that particular season, right? Um, so it's hard to prepare for somebody you don't have a lot of film on that you do not see. That's a lot of times. That's, that's that's the reason a lot of uh, coaches won't say who was starting quarterback up there uh, until like you know they have to, which is like on a Friday or a Saturday, whatever it is, right? They'll wait to the last exact minute. Hey, we're going to start so and so, just to give the defense. Okay, now they have to Friday night or Saturday have to rush and watch this film and try to prepare as much as they can um, and see what they can do, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. But two, I think guys are getting better. I think guys are truly, truly getting better. I think the play calling is getting better. I think play callers are understanding, okay, what's the strength and weakness of my particular backup? What does he do well? Maybe he has a crazy arm strength. All right, let's go down the field. Let's throw deep in routes. Let's throw comebacks. Let's do stuff that he does well. I think guys, coaches are getting smarter when using and understanding how to use their backup quarterbacks. And the guys are taking advantage of it, man. Like Jake Browning looks outstanding. Like he he is buying himself – I was telling somebody the other day, he bought himself another five, six years in the league <laughs> just off his play alone, let alone be in competition for a starting spot. Possibly he goes to the right spot, right? Um, so these guys are coming play, coming to play. I think they're becoming more professional. Um, understand, like, you know, for a long time, people would say the backup quarterback job is the best job in football. And if you're prepared, all you have to do is play well once or twice and when your number is called and you're going to play 10, 12 years because now everybody trusts you because you're going to make plays when your number is called. You can be a leader. You can help that that starting quarterback. So I think there's a few reasons why um, guys are playing so well. I also think that the defense, um, the game is, if I'm honest, the game is made for offenses to do well. So I think if you got a guy that can sling that thing, it helps them out as well. Final moments with former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts. And because of the success of the backup quarterbacks and, and you know, backup receivers, running backs, et cetera, injuries aren't really an excuse for the Jaguars, man. I look at Houston last week going into Nashville without C.J. Stroud, without Nico Collins, without Tank Dell, without Will Anderson, go on down the line, falling behind 13-0 and coming back to win the game. And I understand that Trevor may not play on Sunday. We know Kirk is out. Zay Jones is probably out. I mean, they got problems on offense. But Cecil, a lot of teams have problems on offense with injuries this year, and they are overcoming that. Jacksonville has got to overcome these injuries. Good teams find ways to win, no matter who's out there. Good teams win in December. I'm going to say it again. Good teams find ways to win no matter who's in and good teams find ways to win in December. That's just what it is. It's, 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 you got to pull your pants up, put your big boy pants on, put your work boots on and you got to go out there and figure it out. That, and that goes for the coaches and the players. You're in the playoff hunt right now. 
there's nothing else more important in your job than winning this game on Sunday. If you went out, you're in a great position. You'll be fine. You, you, you're, you're in a driver's seat if you went out. So it's up to you. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They got to go out there and execute and do their job. Now, with the backup quarterback, it comes down to, to me, I'm, I'm big on rookie quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks. Their best friend is the run game. So figure out how to run the football. Give your quarterback a chance. Figure out what he does well. That's why you kept him. What does he do well? All right, and then let's run the ball to complement that. Now he's more confident. It's like all the pressure's on him, and he can make the right reads in the right place. Um, but there's no excuses. I agree with you, Ryan. There's no excuses. It's December. You're saying you're a playoff team. You're trying to be a Super Bowl contender. Go out there and win the game. Cecil, final question. We got about 90 seconds. There's a lot of negativity, as you can imagine, in this city. Three-game losing streak. Fans are upset. They see the season slipping away. Trevor Lawrence, and I've been critical of Trevor, too. I think it's fair to be critical of Trevor after the way he played on Sunday. Um, any issue with that seeping into the locker room? I mean, you got to block out all that noise, positive or negative, and I imagine that's a big thing they're doing this week. See, now is where the leaders really have to step up. Three-game losing streak. Um, I see I see fans coming at you because you're making great points on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Cecil. I appreciate that, man. It's, you know, people are just in their feelings. They're upset because their team is not winning. And when your team is not winning, you find ways to blame different people, right? And what they have to do in our organization is stay together. They have to stay together. They have to. That's where the leaders step up. With the Trevor Lawrence's, the Doug Petersons, whoever is the leader in that locker room, they step up and bring this team together. They find ways to win and stay and stay close, stay tight knit. You gotta you gotta really block out the outside noise and really make it about people in that locker room and what can we do in this locker room because they can say what they want, they can do what they want. It's about us playing together. What can we do? to get a win on Sunday, one day at a time, one game at a time. If they can do that, they'll be all right. Cecil Shorts, former Jaguar wide receiver. He's our guy here on Hacker After Dark. Cecil, we can't thank you enough, man. As always, great stuff. Have a Merry Christmas to you and your family out there, and we'll talk again next week, bud. Hey, it sounds good, man. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Approaching halftime here on Hacker After Dark. We'll take you up till 10 o'clock tonight. 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Thank you to DJ Lagway and to Cecil Shorts for joining us in hour number one. Hour two, we are absolutely loaded. Another Gator signee from earlier today. One of the top 10 offensive tackles in the country, according to 247sports.com. Four-star offensive tackle Fletcher Westfall from the state of Virginia. We will have Fletcher on coming up in less than 10 minutes or so to talk to yet another signee of this Gator football class. Also, my friend Mike Neighbors, you remember him from First Coast News back in the day here in Jacksonville. We'll talk with Mike, who lives in the Tampa area, has lived in the Tampa area for years, covers the NFC South, about the Jaguars and the Buccaneers coming up on Sunday and towards the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, Keith Smith, one of the NBA guys. You can follow him at the Front Office Podcast, also on Spot Track. Really enjoy talking NBA with Keith Smith, and we'll talk about the first two months, two months already, of the National Basketball Association's regular season. You know, it's interesting, in the uh, AFC South, 
there's a battle going on, obviously. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Houston, all at eight and six. And it's a battle of attrition at this point. Gardner Minshew, the backup quarterback in Indy. Potentially C.J. Beathard, the backup quarterback in Jacksonville. Case Keenum looks like he's going to start again for C.J. Stroud, who is still in concussion protocol out in Houston. All these teams are just horribly banged up. The Texan injury report is so much longer than Jacksonville's, yet Houston went into Tennessee and beat the Titans last week. Injuries are not an excuse. Does it suck to have Lawrence in concussion protocol? Yes, it does. To be without Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, yeah, it's awful. That's not any good. That's not any fun. But almost every team you look at, their injury report is 10, 12, 15 deep at this point. Figure it out. And the pressure on Jacksonville is it appears right now the depth in Indianapolis and the depth in Houston might be better than the depth here. Guys are stepping up in Houston and winning football games. Guys are stepping up in Indianapolis and winning football games. Have guys necessarily stepped up in replacing starters here in Jacksonville this year? Probably not to the extent that they have in Houston and Indy. You can change that on Sunday in Tampa. They don't care about injuries. Everybody's got injuries. You figure it out. You figure it out. That's why you get paid the big money. That's why you got Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning head coach. There is no sympathy coming the Jaguars' way for the injuries. None. Figure it out. And they got to play a red-hot Tampa Bay team on Sunday who is now winners of three in a row and playing their best football in the month of December. And guess what? You have to play your best football in the month of December. Jaguars are not doing that. Tampa Bay is doing that. Can the Jaguars figure it out on Sunday? We'll have the game here on 1010XL, 4 o'clock kickdown at Raymond James Stadium. Mike Neighbors previewing Jaguars Buccaneers in about 20 minutes. Coming up next, Fletcher Westfall, a top 10 offensive tackle in the country, according to 247sports.com. He signed his letter of intent with the Florida Gators earlier this morning from the state of Virginia. He joins us next. Hacker After Dark on a Wednesday in Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. National Signing Day for the Florida Gators included getting some big offensive line commits, and that includes Fletcher Westfall, one of the best offensive linemen in the country that signed with Florida earlier today. Fletcher joins us here on 1010XL. Fletcher, congratulations. Thank you. What has today been like, man? The culmination of so much hard work. You signed your letter of intent to Florida this morning. What was that moment like for you? I mean, it, it's really like the, the dreams coming true, right? You know, signing that letter of intent, uh, just everything comes to fruition. And, and I mean, things get real now. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm officially a Gator. You uh, committed to Florida. I remember I talked to you when you committed to Florida some months back. And there's been some attrition in this class. You never wavered, Fletcher. I know you were probably asked about it. Other schools were recruiting you. But you stuck with the orange and blue through it all. What was it about Florida, about your commitment, that you wanted to honor? 
Well, so I, I had visited like 45, 44 schools before Florida. And the thing is, is, is I, I knew, right? I had taken, I think, two visits before I committed. I knew that Florida was a school I wanted to go to. And, and I, I had my mind set on that. And it, it just, n- nothing was going to change it. Nothing was ever going to change it. I mean, it's a great class that you're a part of for the Florida Gators, obviously. And Billy Napier and the staff putting this class together. Fletcher, what's your opinion of Coach Napier? You get the personal interaction with him. You get to speak to him man-to-man. A lot of Gator fans obviously have never done that and will never do that. For the Gator fans listening tonight, what do you like about Billy Napier? To me, he always keeps it true, right? You know, he's never going to beat around the bush. He's going to give it to you 100% truthful all the time. If it's something that's not good, he's still going to tell you. If it's something good, he's going to tell you, right? If there's no... There's no kind of cutting corners, I guess. Fletcher Westfall, one of the newest Florida Gators. He signed his letter of intent earlier today along the offensive line. Fletcher, what's the plan for you at Florida? Is it offensive tackle or is it something else? Uh, As of right now, it's offensive tackle, yes. Uh, Right side, left side, what are you more comfortable on? I'm more comfortable on the left, but I guess I'm like ambidextrous in my legs, so I can play either. Oh, that's perfect. A lot of chances there on both the right side and the left side. You know, the recruiting process, a guy like you, right, 45 visits, you said. Schools were after you, I'm assuming, for the last three or four years. Fletcher, did you like it, or are you happy that today it's officially over? Uh, I'm happy, you know, for for two, for two three years, solid two, three years. I couldn't, I couldn't be a high schooler. Uh, every weekend I was on a visit, I did a total of, I think 92 visits. So it, it was every weekend I was gone somewhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, after I committed, I, I didn't have to do any of that. So July 10th, I didn't have to do any more of that. I enjoyed my senior season as a normal high school student, committed to the University of Florida and signing today. Now I'm officially, I guess, a, like a freshman in uh, college. Now, you're leaving the nest a little bit, right? You're not from the state of Florida, certainly. You're, you're a couple uh, hundred miles, in fact, more than that away. I mean, what is it like knowing that you're going to branch out a little bit and come down to the state of Florida? Well, so we, we, have, a, we have a house in Florida um, that we live in right now, actually. So I'm kind of I'm kinda already, I'm already liking it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. No question about it. And, you know, look, playing in the Southeastern Conference, the next time you put on a pair of shoulder pads, they're going to say the University of Florida playing in the swamp. I mean, has that registered for you how, how big a deal this is? I mean, it, it's huge, right? You're going from playing at a high school stadium with like a max capacity of 5,000 kids to playing in the swamp where you're going to have 80-something thousand people in front of you every single Saturday. Fletcher Westfall with us, one of the latest commitments or one of the latest signees for the University of Florida. Obviously, DJ Lagway, a big factor in this class as well. Have you had conversations with DJ through this process, and are you looking forward to blocking for him for the next couple of years? Most definitely. I think it was right before I signed. I was glad I saw the text he sent to our group chat of of him saying, just signed. I, I was real glad to see that. Yeah, because there were a lot of rumors about DJ. And, and, look, it's rumor season, right? That's the crazy thing about social media. What's your plan now? Are you an early enrollee? I mean, when do you arrive in, on campus there at the University of Florida? I'm early enrollee, so I believe it's January 7th, just like everyone else. 
I mean, that's crazy, right? You were in high school, I'm assuming, like a week ago, and now you're going to be at the University of Florida in two weeks' time. I mean, talk about the turnaround there. How excited are you to get on campus and get things going? I'm, I'm absolutely ready to get the ball rolling. Uh, I, that's just something that, that I just want to get straight into things, right? I don't, I don't want to wait. I just want to, I want to get into it, and I want to start getting stuff done. Fletcher, a lot of Gator fans listening tonight. We're the home of the Gators here in Jacksonville, and certainly some fans have, uh, I won't say some trepidation, but they want to see this program turn around, right? They want to see Florida get back to the glory days. I remember talking to you a couple of months ago when you committed that's the plan for this 24 class, right? You guys are very much aware of where Florida is and where they want to go, and you're the class that believes you can get them back there. Absolutely. I believe we just need to get in, put our heads down, work, play some football when the season comes. Uh, obviously, this upcoming season is going to be very hard. We have the hardest schedule in college football, but we're just going to have to get out there, play ball, play our hearts out, and, and win some football games. Hey, Fletcher, final question. For the Gator fans listening tonight, what's your message to them? Uh, I'm ready to work. Let's work, baby. Fletcher Westfall will be arriving in Gainesville in the first week of January as an early enrollee, and he is the latest signee for the University of Florida. Fletcher, congratulations on what's a huge day for you and your family. Best of luck in Gainesville. Thank you. There you go, Fletcher Westfall here with us on Hacker After Dark. Certainly glad I was able to bring you Fletcher and DJ Lagway earlier. If you missed those interviews, they are online, the 1010XL YouTube uh, platform, 1010XL Twitter, 1010XL Facebook. You'll be uh, not hard-pressed to find them. You can also go to On Demand there at 1010XL.com. We will talk NBA. Boy, my Orlando Magic are just taking it on the chops Right now, the Miami Heat decided to just shoot deadly from three-point range. But we'll talk Orlando Magic and everything else with Keith Smith, front office pod, and Spot Track does a great job covering the NBA. He's coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Coming up next, a name very familiar for you guys that have been in Jacksonville for a while, Mike Neighbors, formerly of First Coast News. He's been down in the Tampa area now for years, does a terrific job covering the NFC South. Let's talk Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team that the Jaguars will see on Sunday. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, Mike Neighbors talking Jags and Bucks next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. Most NBA teams now well 25, 26, 27 games into their season. One of the biggest surprises is our neighbors to the south, the Orlando Magic, one of the surprises so far sitting at 16-9. and nine. Let's look around the National Basketball Association with a guy that covers it every day. He does a terrific job for Spot Track. You can also catch him on the front office show. His name is Keith Smith, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, Keith, thank you for the time. All right. You are based in Central Florida. You cover the league on a national basis, but your home hub there in Orlando. And I got to tell you, Keith, the magic... One of the surprises, a little bit of a road bump in Boston, certainly, losing a couple games this past weekend, but 16-9, and 9, 25 games in. Your thoughts on what the Magic have done to this point? 
yeah, major step forward for for this team. We saw last year they got off to asterisk start. They about this uh, same time that they were five and twenty, and they had played uh, most of those twenty five games without any healthy guards, and things are just a real mess. And after that point, once they got healthy and guys got a little bit more experience and players slotted in where I think Jamal Mosley and this team's front office envisioned them, you saw the Magic really play well. They played over five hundred ball. Uh, the rest of the way in the season. And you so you could see the building blocks were there. The question is, all right, was that kind of cute story at the end of last season, or is this a team that's really ready to go? And, and they've proven so far they're ready to go. Yeah, a couple losses to Boston this past week in Boston. That's nothing to sneeze at. Celtics are undefeated at home. They're probably, in the eyes of most, the best team in the NBA right now. So Orlando's right there. They're, they're, they're really, really playing well in a really fun story to start this season. I'm a long-suffering Orlando Magic fan somewhere at my house. I think I got an Anthony Bowie jersey. I think Scott Skiles back in the day. I mean, I've been all in since 1989. Keith, could you make the argument that Bancaro and Franz Wagner as a combo on the same team, maybe the best combo 23 years or younger in the NBA? Uh, yeah, probably. If not, it's right up there. You know, they're they're definitely you know really close because those are guys that can kind of do it all. They both are are really good scorers. They're pretty good off ball shooters. They're really good ball handlers, especially given their size. And they're both good passers. And both of them are better than they get credit for defenders as well. So they, these are two guys that you know Orlando is. Uh, very fortunate to be able to build around because they're two easy guys to build around in the sense of you can do a lot of different things with them. If they decide, you know, hey, we really need a, you know, another big guy in there. Well, both of those guys can move down a position and you'll be just fine. Or if it is, yeah, we want to play a little smaller. Both of them can move up a position and you'll be just fine. And that's really, really important. And it's, you know, two again, two great guys to build around two good teammates that they're, they're guy, you know, they're, they're young guys, but everybody kind of knows, all right, Hey, this is their team. They might be two of the younger guys, but they're the leaders here and everybody's pretty content with them there. So yeah, magic are very, very fortunate that those two guys are their building blocks. Keith Smith, the front office show. I'll also spot track here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Keith, final question regarding Orlando. They're 16-9, and nine, and they've done this basically without Markel Foltz and without Wendell Carter. At some point, both of those guys will be reinserted into the lineup. What does that do to this roster at that point? Yeah, it's just going to give them additional depth. They'll be able to have a few more options. To go to up front, Goga Batadze has played fantastic in place of Wendell Carter in the starting group that's allowed the Magic to keep Mo Wagner in kind of that energy role off the bench where he comes in and uh, he just gives the team a major lift with the way he just gets after it. He's just a nonstop motor kind of guy. So you get Carter back. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a little bit more depth than I think you thought you might have had at the beginning of the season. And in the backcourt, you know, we, we never want to see a guy go down. But when they do, we look for a silver lining. And the silver lining was this gave Anthony Black 
a chance to play and play real minutes. And the rookie has held up just fine. He's ready defensively. He's already a really good defender. The big problem with him is, is he ready to really contribute to a team that's maybe starting to have some playoff expectations as far as an offensive player? And that's that's where Markel Fultz, we know he can kind of get it done on both ends. So it, it's, again, you've got a little bit more depth, and it gives the front office a little bit of, uh, thought to all right if we really need to go get something we might have a couple more guys in place already if we want to make a trade where we could maybe get something done to go get somebody Keith when you look at the Eastern Conference as a whole it appears to be Boston and everybody else would you agree with that and who would be the two or three biggest challengers to Boston yeah, I, I don't know that I'm willing to say it's Boston and everybody else, but I think it's Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. That That's kind of your top three. And I wasn't there with Philadelphia before the start of the season. They had all the James Harden drama. He didn't want to be there. We didn't know what that was going to look like. And things were really looking like a mess for them. But they, they played well. They got uh, moved Harden uh, you know, only about a week or so into the season. And Tyrese Maxey has stepped forward. He's taken that kind of all-star level leap where he, he's definitely going to be in that mix in the East. He's been really, really good. And then you've got Joel Embiid just kind of, I would say, doing his thing, but he's doing his thing better than he's ever done it. Now with Philly, they fattened up on a pretty soft schedule. They, they've played a lot of the worst teams in the league here in the, the early part of the year. So we'll see if that can maintain when they start getting into some of the better teams. We'll see what that looks like. And then Milwaukee, they're going through it defensively right now. They're, they're figuring some stuff out, having to play a little bit of a different way uh, than they have the last few years. But again, a really good, solid team led by a couple of stars and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. But where the Celtics have those teams is they've got the best starting five in the league. And then Al Horford as a sixth man, you're not going to beat that top six. No team in the league can match that. So even though Boston's had a couple of injuries and had some guys out of the lineup here and there, they've been able to play through it with relative ease and not really miss a beat. So I would say Boston is the top of that group, but Philly and Milwaukee you know, should be in the conversation with them near the top of the East. A couple of more for Keith Smith of Spot Track. You also see him on the front office show. We'll tell you all about where you can find that on YouTube and where you can get your podcast. He does a great job covering the National Basketball Association. He's with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Keith, as we go out west, look, Father Time catches up to everybody, whether it's Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, the icons of the sport at 39 years of age. These guys were either retired or wearing down and yet LeBron is about to turn 39 at the end of this month, and you could still realistically make the argument that he's one of, if not the best players in the league. I mean, have you ever in your life seen anything like this? Yeah, not in basketball, because anybody at that's still been around at his age, has been, they're not doing this. They're, they're kind of in that, uh, I'm the last guy on the bench, veteran mentor role, and, I, and I'm just kind of, you know, here to help the team through the rough patches, but on the court, don't expect very much. The closest thing that I can, you know, put to this, and, you know, I'm not a big uh, hockey guy, so I'm sure I'm going to miss somebody in hockey, but is, uh, you know, is in the NFL, 
with Tom Brady. He, it's the closest I can get to with somebody who has been, you know, this deep into their career and still seemingly can go out and win a game almost all by themselves and really control things and just be, you know, the guy they had been for the previous, you know, 15 to 20 years. It really is unbelievable when you look at LeBron. He just keeps going. And there's, there's the, the crazy thing is there's really no end in sight because anytime you look at something and say, yeah, he's kind of slowed down and he doesn't do this. There's like three other things that he does instead that, that he's kind of figured it out of, you know, yeah, I, I'm not going to go on those rampaging uh, coast to coast drives anymore, you know, 10 times per game. That might be five times per game, but those other five times, I'm going to kind of get to my spot, get a shot for myself or set up a teammate and those kind of things. Just an unbelievable player. Can the Lakers stay in this thing? Obviously, health with LeBron and Anthony Davis is crucial, but will they be around the top of the West for a while now? We're going to see. They're, they're going through it a little bit. They, they were very good in the in-season tournament. They've not been all that good outside of it. They've been a very average or even below average team outside of that. So we don't know if that's you got to put a carrot in front of these guys and that's when they have something to play for, they're ready to go and they're going to play for it. Or are they just, you know, maybe not quite as good as we think. And then the other challenge is, and I hate to, you know, put this on any player or team, but Anthony Davis and LeBron James have been healthy so far this year. They haven't really missed time. And in, in their track records at this point in their careers tell us they're both probably going to go down for a two, three-week period. And then we're going to really find out, do they have enough depth to get through that part? Because what the Lakers don't want to do is they don't want to be in a spot where they're down around the playing range and they're having to go you know, 100 miles per hour all the way through the end of the regular season and then fight through the playing tournament and then fight as a lower seed because we saw last year they were competitive with the Denver Nuggets but they ran out of gas they didn't have enough left because they had been fighting for you know basically a three-month period ahead of that just to get to that point so so it's really important that they kind of stack some wins where they can and try to get you know moved up in the standings. Keith as far as the Western Conference as a whole unfortunately we haven't seen what Phoenix could be yet because of all the injuries uh, maybe we will at some point, the Clippers, out of nowhere, are playing terrific basketball right now. That's kind of surprising to me. Obviously, Denver is Denver, the defending world champs. I mean, how would you assess the Western Conference coming into the uh, holiday season here? Yeah, really good, deep conference. Maybe slightly different ways than what we thought. I don't know that anybody thought the Houston Rockets would be competitive, you know, kind of in the middle of the conference, but they, they really have been. They've been pretty good. And then Phoenix, you said it, you know, they, they've, they've been down a little bit. They're still dangerous. But, you know, we're, we're going to get through almost the halfway point of the season and probably only be about a game or so into them having, you know, uh, Durant, Booker, and Beal all together. That's a major, major challenge, you know, for them. They've got to figure that stuff out. And then the Lakers, you know, they've been kind of middling. The Warriors have, have really fallen off, so we'll see what that looks like. I think we're all kind of expecting, you know, they're the Warriors. They're still going to make a run. But at the top, you've got a couple of surprises. Minnesota has been awesome. They are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Their offense is also pretty good. They've got a lot of depth. They've got good functional depth, meaning their guys know exactly what their role is and what they're being asked to do. So that's huge. And then you've got the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, that are, you know, they, they were – 
kind of like the Magic last year, a little bit better in that they actually got in uh, to the playing tournament. But they were a team. It was like, wow, you can kind of see this thing coming together. And then all of a sudden, the Thunder, they're, they're here this year, and they've got really good depth. And both uh, the, the Thunder, or really the Thunder, more so than the Timberwolves, but the Thunder in a position, they need to make a trade or they're, you know somebody becomes available that makes a lot of sense for them. Because they've got five million extra draft picks from all the trades they've made, they can jump in and make any kind of move they want. So they're they're not going anywhere anytime soon, and that's added to what was a strong conference has made it only stronger. Keith, I want to wrap up with a trade deadline quickly. Draymond Green, what's the NBA going to do with that situation? Yeah, so with Draymond, you know he's going to miss it sounds like at least a few weeks. So we're not going to see him till sometime. We're into the new year. Yeah, at least. And I think the league is basically taking the stance of, all right, hey, we're in agreement. The NBA, uh, the NBPA, the Players Union, uh, Draymond's agency, Draymond himself and the Warriors, all parties involved are in agreement of you got to get help. And he's going and getting that help now. And I think they're really in a position where it is, hey, go away for what will ultimately it'll be over a month by the time this is all said and done. He's already been gone about a week. He's going to be gone about three more weeks at the minimum. And then it'll be, all right, let's see where you're at. And I think the league is kind of why he's been so willing to go get this help. I think the league has kind of put him on notice with the sense of, hey, this can happen again. If this happens again, you might be done. Like we might be talking about you're out of here altogether. So I think it's last chance saloon time and he's trying to figure it out. So we're going to see, you know, where that all comes down here. Probably my guess is middle of January. Final moments, Keith Smith, spot track, also the front office show, Keith, the trade deadline, Zach Levine is the name that we hear. Are there any other big names that could be on the move over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, right now there isn't, um, but, you know, we're still, you know, well over a month out. Trade deadline is February 8th, so we've got a little while. And in the NBA, it's usually a bit of a slow burn. Usually, you know, when you get towards the end of January is when that stuff picks up. But other guys that people are expecting, you know, will at least be big discussion points. Guys like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi uh, from the Toronto Raptors. Guys who have been uh, you know, really good players. They're on expiring contracts. The team's not really going anywhere. If the Bulls trade Zach Levine, do they kind of say, all right, let's move DeMar DeRozan too. And now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're without two of their stars, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. There's already ramped up discussion on what's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell. You know, is he going to get moved now? Is there a sense of he's only – playing out the, the contract in Cleveland, then he's out of there anyway. He'll be another guy who's going to end up mentioned. And then, you know, history just tells me because it's the NBA, somebody no one is thinking about right now, a month from now, that guy's name will be out there in trade talks because that's just how it works in this league. Keith Smith is a terrific follow on social media for all your NBA daily coverage. You can follow him at Spot Track. And, Keith, tell the NBA fans here in Jacksonville about the front office show and where they can watch it. Yeah, you can watch us over, Trevor Lane and I. Uh, it's odd as it may be, a guy who grew up in Boston and me and a guy who grew up in L.A., uh, Trevor, a Lakers guy and a Celtics guy. We came together to have a pretty fun show. We're Monday through Friday. Uh, you can catch us NBA front office show over on YouTube um, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just look up NBA front office show and you'll find us again, you know, five days a week. We're out there breaking down all the latest news and notes around the league and getting into a lot of other fun stuff too. We have a really good time. Hey Keith, I really mean it, man. I'm a diehard NBA guy. You are a terrific source for knowledge going on in the league. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy your work on social media and spot track. Thank you, my friend. Have a happy holidays and let's do it again soon. 
I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and yours. Thank you for having me. And thank you to Keith Smith for joining us here on Hacker After Dark, talking a little NBA as the National Basketball Association. Most teams about 25 games in or so. Of course, a lot of people will really start following it after Christmas, which comes up obviously inside of a week. And the trade deadline, believe it or not, in the NBA, just over six weeks away. Big takeaway from the evening. Here on Hacker After Dark, well, there are a couple of them. Number one in the world of college football, the Gators get their man and DJ Lagway, the five-star quarterback from the state of Texas. Now, Florida did have some flips today. They did lose some guys. There is no doubt about that. But they got the guy they absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, had to have. Five-star quarterback DJ Lagway. Uh, you can work around a lot of other issues. You could not afford to lose D.J. Lagway, and Florida was able to get him, and D.J. Lagway signs his letter of intent earlier today. As far as the Jacksonville Jaguars go, Trevor Lawrence still in the protocol. According to Doug Peterson, he is, quote, progressing well, but C.J. Beathard was the man who met the media today, and it might be C.J. Beathard coming up on Sunday. And isn't it interesting, in the AFC South, Gardner Minshew, backup quarterback in Indianapolis. Potentially, again, you might have uh, no C.J. Stroud for the Texans, and you may not have Trevor Lawrence this week for the Jaguars. You could have three backup quarterbacks in Indianapolis, Houston, and Jacksonville, all with gigantic games this weekend. And the NFL, this is the year of the backup quarterback, and maybe – It'll be C.J. Beathard's time this Sunday. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been a very, very busy Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. We have a ton of people to thank. Again, Keith Smith covering the NBA front office pod and spot track. We really appreciate his time tonight. Thank you to Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports. Dot com talking Jaguars, AFC South, and more. Thank you to one of the newest Florida Gator signees, four-star offensive tackle Fletcher Westfall for joining us. Also, Mandarin High School's Derek Plaz, who signed on the dotted line with the Miami Hurricanes earlier today. And back in hour number one, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts made his weekly appearance, and we certainly thank Cecil for all he does here for us on Hacker After Dark. We will be back tomorrow night on a Thursday, and we will do it all over again beginning at 8 o'clock. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. And again, Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Wednesday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Wednesday evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow night on a Thursday beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Buccaneers, Sunday at 4 o'clock, and what all of a sudden is a very big game in the state of Florida. Jacksonville goes in 
at eight and six to a Tampa team that is seven and seven and currently in first place in the NFC South. With that, let's head to Tampa. My buddy Mike Neighbors has covered the NFL for years, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Mike, how are you, man? Hacker, I'm great. Great to be on with you. How are you? Mike, we're good, buddy. Thank you for the time. And you do a lot of work with the NFC South. You do work with the Saints. You also have lived in Tampa for years. You follow the Bucks and have worked with them as well. And good heavens, uh, Baker Mayfield <laughs> comes in earlier this year and not a lot is expected. And all of a sudden you close your eyes and Tampa 7-7 seven and seven, controlling their own destiny for a division title. You know, you guys in Jacksonville will appreciate this. I'll give you two words that, to me, kind of personify the Bucks season. Kyle Trask, okay? <laughs> in the preseason, it was, well, maybe Trask will beat out Mayfield. He's having a better, you know, practices. He's looking better in preseason games. Okay, the Bucks win three of their first four. Kyle Trask on the back burner. But then the Bucks lose four in a row. OK, maybe we should just put Kyle Trask in to see what we have at this point. And then they stay with Mayfield, obviously. And then obviously the Bucks have won three in a row. We don't hear about Kyle Trask anymore. But to me, that's the NFL hacker, right? It's the ups. It's the downs. You guys have seen it in Jacksonville. But Todd Bowles job security is like a crazy graph up and down, up and down all year. And the same with Mayfield, but uh, playing really good as of late. You know, the thought when Tom Brady stepped aside was Tampa might really regress Obviously, that hasn't happened. Baker Mayfield had turned into a journeyman, but boy, yeah. he's playing really well. I think last week had the best passer rating you can have, 158.3, and that win in Lambeau over Green Bay. Mike, why is Baker Mayfield playing so well down there? You know what? I just think it's a comfort factor. I mean, think about how many systems he's been in in his NFL career. I mean, from Cleveland to Carolina to his cameo with the Rams and and now the Bucks, And he's really been good on third down. Um, they're one of the best third down offenses in the NFL, especially third and short, Hacker. And what's impressed me about Mayfield is he has a short memory. And it's kind of cliche in sports, but he's really good about if something bad happens. And he's had some bad turnovers like any quarterback or any offense has had this year. Short memory um, really has built a comfort level with Mike Evans. And they've moved Chris Godwin more consistently in the slot. And he's had, you know, coming off his best game, too. So you have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And I think he's just become more comfortable with both of them. Mike Neighbors, formerly of First Coast News. He's done a great job covering the National Football League for years. We're talking Jaguars and Buccaneers. The Jags go to Tampa on Sunday at 4 o'clock. You mentioned Mike Evans, Mike, and Last week, 92 career touchdowns. I believe he's, what, top 10, top 15 all-time in career touchdown catches. He's had 10 1,000-yard seasons. I mean, do people outside of Tampa Bay fully appreciate how great, and I do mean great, Mike Evans has been? You know, I don't think so. And and what's crazy about uh, sports is Mike Evans wanted a new contract before the year, and the Bucks didn't give it to him. And he had kind of some rough patches early on, but now he has all the leverage in the world. And, you know, I, I think he'll be in the ring of honor one day. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. I mean, every season he's been in the NFL hacker, he's caught for over a thousand yards receiving. I mean, it's unheard of. I mean, he's approaching kind of Jerry Rice type consistency. So, yeah, I think the answer is no. 
I think Tom Brady being here and winning a Super Bowl helped him nationally. But the overall picture, Mike Evans, he's been with some bad quarterbacks. and uh, But then Brady and now, now Baker Mayfield have, have helped his reputation. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, really as good a guy off the field as on the field. Great in the community, too. So he's a real popular player here. Two wide receivers down there. Mike Evans' partner is Chris Godwin. Now, he had a lot of injury problems. I know there was a knee mixed in there, and some thought – well, maybe that's going to start derailing what he was building. No, it hasn't. Godwin's had a resurgence this year, had 10 grabs for over 100 yards last week in the win over Green Bay. As good as Evans has been, Mike, you could argue Godwin's been very good as well. Yeah, and when they're both rolling, it really helps this football team because they're kind of top-heavy when it comes to the wide receiver position. A lot of younger guys underneath them. They've tried a lot of journeymen over the past few years. they tried Julio Jones, and um, they haven't had a lot of luck there. But the one-two punch of Godwin and Evans, you could say when they're rolling as good as any one-two punch in the NFL. And Godwin, you know, coming off his best game in the slot, he's much better. And Mike Evans has been much more consistent over this three-game winning streak. So the comfort factor with Baker Mayfield combined with these guys hitting at the right time of this NFL season uh, bodes well for the Bucks. I grew up listening to Mike Neighbors on First Coast News, and he's always with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Got to get it in, Mike. You know how it is. Always. The running game for Tampa. Look, when Leonard Fournette left, you wondered what was going to happen there. Boy, White and, and and the guys they have in the backfield there have really begun to play well for this Tampa team who's red hot right now. Yeah, they have a brand-new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, who comes uh, from Seattle where he wasn't the OC there. I mean, he was under Pete Carroll and that staff and, you know, was an assistant, but has really come into his own. I think one of the great things that he's done is allow Rashad White to catch the ball out of the backfield more, and that's where he's thrived, and that's led to him running the football better. And, you know, we could talk about Godwin and Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield, but as you know, you got to have complementary football in the NFL. When With the emergence of Rashad White, not only as a pass catcher, but as a running back who's, uh, you know, stabilized the running game and a big part of the three game winning streak is Rashad White. So this offense is really clicking now. Uh, it's crazy in the NFL. You guys know this in Jacksonville. I mean, if I, if you were to call me about the Bucks a month ago, let's bring in Kyle Trask. Let's fire Todd Bowles. This guy Canales doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But all of a sudden in the NFL, you could put some wins together and everything turns around. And that's exactly what's happened here in Tampa. You know, the defense obviously is what Todd Bowles is known for, and they have begun to play very well. I love Winfield in the secondary. That guy is one of the best safeties in the National Football League. We know about the linebackers, Devin White, Levante David. Now, I believe Devin White missed the game last week. I don't know what his status will be for, for Sunday, but how has that defense been performing? Well, Winfield's a player, no doubt about it. He's going to have a big contract after the season. But Devin White is the big story here in Tampa, frankly. Uh, K.J. Britt has played better than Devin White in his absence the last three weeks. And there are reports uh, that Devin White, after learning he wasn't going to start before the Packers game, just said, you know what, if I'm not starting, I'm not playing. Uh, Todd Bowles has gone back and forth answering these questions, hasn't confirmed that or frankly hasn't denied it either. He said, why don't you talk to Devin White about it? So there is some, I don't know, conjecture here that maybe Devin White won't play the rest of the year because he has a big free agent, you know, 
possibility after this season. And they picked up his option, but they didn't give him the kind of deal that he wanted. This past offseason, he was active on social media about how he wasn't happy he was going to hold out. Then things calmed down. But frankly, Hacker, since the Super Bowl, Devin White hasn't been the same player. He hasn't forced any turnovers this year. His tackles have gone down each season. And if you're a big free agent, I think uh, maybe his agent's telling him, listen, just don't play. Just act like you're injured. Don't act like you're benched. That's not going to help your stock. That's not the way to go if you're a player in the NFL. But the big story here is, is Devin White just say he's not playing because he wasn't starting against Green Bay. It's huge. uh, But Britt's been a better player the last three weeks. And frankly, remarkably so. The Bucks' defense has been better without Devin White the last three weeks. That's interesting. That's a crazy story, too. We'll have to follow that to see about Devin White on Sunday against Jacksonville. Mike, when the schedule came out, Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock, and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, how many Buccaneer fans are actually going to go to this game? And then all of a sudden, now fast forward to where we are, 8-6 and six Jacksonville, scratching for a division title, 7-7 seven and seven Tampa, scratching for a division title, even though four o'clock kick on Christmas Eve, man, it is a big one in Tampa, Florida on Sunday. And the NFL loves this. The The NFL loves the ineptitude of the NFC South. Uh, you know, I cover the Saints, and the Saints have been like the Bucks. They've been up and down, fire Dennis Allen, Derek Carr's a bust. All of a sudden, Derek Carr's having his best game of the year against the Giants. You know, Baker Mayfield's has this, had this resurgence the last three weeks. The NFL loves this parody, and the fact that the NFC South is going to probably be decided the last week of the year, Hacker. But I agree. I mean, a month ago, this looked like a bust game, a, a big one for the Jaguars, but nobody was going to show up in Tampa. And I'm guessing now a lot of fathers are buying their uh, sons and daughters these tickets for Christmas possibly because it's a huge game and there's a lot more interest in this football team than there was uh, just a few weeks ago. How do you think the NFC South shakes out? Is Tampa going to win it or do you think New Orleans gets them? I really think Tampa's the best team. Um, I'm still not sold on Derek Carr. I think the Saints are banged up to a large degree. You know, Michael Thomas hasn't played for a long time. And, you know, Chris Olave's been out, even though I think they'll get him back. I just think Baker Mayfield's had a better year than Derek Carr. And I, I think the Saints' defense is making a comeback a little bit. But I think in totality, the Bucks. and I didn't think I would say this uh, before the year, uh, I think that they're playing better football and they have a better team collectively than the Saints. Now, they're going to play in, in a couple weeks here. We'll see what happens. But it seems like the Falcons have fallen off. Looks to be a two-horse race in this crazy NFC South. But I think the Bucks may win it. Final moments here with Mike Neighbors. Mike, I know it's early in the week. We don't know the status of Trevor Lawrence. Although, if you go on history of concussion protocol – It would be hard-pressed to think that he would be able to get back. Most guys at least miss one game in the protocol. Some don't, but I think a majority do. What is the thought about Jacksonville coming in there potentially with C.J. Beathard on Sunday? Well, I'll say this. uh, New Orleans has been through the same drill with Derek Carr. I mean, he's had two concussions this year, and he hasn't missed any playing time. So that may bode well for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. But I agree with you. Often you see a quarterback miss a game, and, boy, we've seen quarterbacks around the league miss a lot of games. Uh, I think, obviously, they'd prefer to have Beathard in there instead of Trevor Lawrence. A lot of respect for Trevor Lawrence is one of the best young quarterbacks or best quarterbacks, period, in the NFL. But this Bucks team has a lot of confidence. I mean, nobody gave him a chance up in Green Bay. For Baker Mayfield to go in there and have a perfect quarterback rating, I mean, nobody, Cacker, saw that coming. 
And so this is a confident football team, and I think they're ready for anything. But I think, of course, they'd rather have uh, the backup than Trevor Lawrence. Mike, final question. Baker Mayfield, is he the long-term answer in Tampa? I mean, is he going to be there for the next couple of years as a starting quarterback? It's funny. That's why I love covering this league. If you'd asked me that a couple times earlier in this year, I may may have given you different answers. But uh, I think he – I don't know if it's, he's a long-term answer. I could see them with this – you know, rich quarterback draft coming up, maybe drafting a young guy and having Baker Mayfield, you know, be that veteran for a couple of years. But I think, you know, Jason Light, the general manager, loves him. And he loves him even more. I loves him even more after the last three weeks and the winning streak. So I think uh, he's helped himself a great deal. And I would be surprised if he's not back, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they drafted somebody else just to ensure the future of this football team. You saw Mike Neighbors on First Coast News back in the day. He's covered the (laughs) NFC South for years with the Saints and the Buccaneers. Mike, quickly, you told me a really cool story. You've been to every NFL stadium in your travels covering the league except one, but you're about to check that one off the list. Yeah, it's funny. I've never been to SoFi, which cracks me up because the Saints were supposed to go there for a playoff game if they beat the Falcons and the Rams beat the Niners when they had Garoppolo. Well, the Saints beat the Falcons, and we're in the press box watching it with the Saints brass. The uh, the Rams had a 17-0 lead in that game, and they blew it. So no SoFi that year. And there was another instance where I was supposed to go there. So um, I'm not traveling this year. So my youngest daughter and I love going to games. We're going to fly in on the day of the game. SoFi is a 20-minute uber ride from the airport go to the game and fly back the next day it's bucket list time hacker got to make it happen that is absolutely fantastic that'll be something your daughter will remember for a long long time (laughs) mike neighbors mike happy holidays my friend happy new year and we'll talk again soon bud hey two favors i love the the photos of your son on social media hug your son hope he has a great christmas and make sure to hug jeff prosser i know how he loves hugs give him a big (laughs) hug for me i'll definitely do that mike thank you buddy anytime